We're going to be looking at the temptation of Jesus as we continue to work through the Gospel of Luke. I'd like for you to listen as I read this text. I'm going to read the whole story, and then we'll go in and start digging through it a little bit. Luke 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, to you I will give you, give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, Jesus said, He will command his angels concerning... Actually, I'm sorry, for it is written that Satan said this. He's quoting scripture. I apologize for doing that wrong. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus then answered, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Father God in heaven, I pray as we dig into the scripture and and learn from one another and, and just explore the text a bit that you make yourself known and your presence known to our church family. Lord, help us to to grow a little bit this morning. Help us to trust in you a little bit deeper. And Lord, help us to to honor you with our attention span and our desire to to grow. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for your presence in our lives and your presence in this church. In your son's name, amen. So we're going to start at the beginning and and keep it pretty simple. We're going to Say, figure out what it says, we're going to figure out what it means, and then we're going to decide why that even matters. So let's talk about what it says. First of all, there's three things that happen in this text, this first part of this text. The three things are this. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's a fundamental piece of this text. He was led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God was on him. He was full of the Spirit. Luke makes it very clear that he is being directed into the wilderness into the wilderness for something. So the Spirit of of God was on Jesus as he heads into the wilderness. Second, Jesus was tempted by Satan. Now that's the larger part of this story here, that the temptation takes most of the words of this section of Scripture, but that happened. And then the the third thing that happens is the devil left him at an opportune time. Now we're going to figure out what those things mean. First of all, let's, let's go back to the Spirit of God. Tempting him or leading him into the wilderness. I told a story in first service about how this last week I was trying to fast. It was one part spiritual, one part like I just was trying not to eat as much. Those two things can go together. 
But on Wednesday was the day I was trying to fast. And I was trying to fast because I, I felt like I needed to carve out some space to, to get kind of honed in because I had not only my normal duties, but I was adding to it preaching on Sunday morning, which I don't take lightly. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I love standing up here and talking and talking about scripture and being in front of you guys and, and sharing. But I knew that I needed to focus and I needed to have a little bit extra just kind of like diligent space to just get deep. And I shut my door most of this week, and my, so I wasn't as social in the office, and I, I tried to hone in. And so Wednesday I chose to, to, be, to be a fasting day. And I, my desire was for the Spirit of God to just kind of wash over me and to strengthen me and to make me feel all powerful and make me feel great and so like charged up to where I could tackle anything I needed to tackle. I had extra ability to, to study and get the, my notes down in my head and I just, that was my goal, right? And so we go through the day and, and check Wednesdays begins on Wednesday night and I'm telling you, if you're on a diet... This place is not the place to be on a Wednesday at all. It's filled with food. There is food everywhere. There's people serving meals over here. There's snacks in the coffee house. There is, there are, at dis- your disposal, there is so much good food. And we greatly appreciate it. There's a meal team that serves a bunch of meals. And we, have, we have these wonderful hostess in the coffee house for our leader lounge that bring in great food every week. And I... It was hard, and then now we decided at senior high is always going to have snacks every week because it, it's, we just want to for them and bless them. So we had snacks in three spots, and then Moose is catering this week for our meal, and so there's pulled pork. And I'm like, I chose Wednesday as my fasting day to try to figure this out. And I'm telling you, I step in, and I'm doing great all day long. I'm doing so good. And I'm not even, it's just like, I'm locked in. I'm getting stuff done. And there's people that are coming into my office and going like, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. Like, when you start that sentence, you're like, I'm sorry to bother you. It looks like you're, like, that happened probably six times this week. I know you're focused. I'm sorry to bother you. And I'm like, yeah, I am focused. Let's get this done. And I'm like feeling really juiced. Like, the, there's, there's a lot to come here. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be excited about this. And I got, like, the spirit's really working. And then I show up Wednesday night, and I'm like, really? You can do this. You can do this. And I'll tell you, if everybody was honest, how many times I stopped by the snack station? I mean, like, four. And I was like, and every time I was like, I can't eat, I can't eat. And I'm like, no, but maybe just a little bit. Man, I failed so hard on Wednesday night. I just crashed and burned. It was the worst. And, and the most colossal, and the food is so good. And so... In the midst of me feeling spiritually energized, spiritually strong, focused in on the Lord, and wanting the Spirit of God to, like, seriously wash over me and use me. And I'm not even making a joke here. I'm saying, like, I was really in, in, an, in an endeavor to try to be locked in for Sunday morning. I still crashed and burned and failed. And I'm telling you, I was, the Spirit's moving me, and I, oh, anyway... This first temptation that Jesus faces, and Luke is very detailed here. He says, he was hungry. And Satan says, if you're hungry, turn this piece of stone to bread. These temptations, these three different temptations, have real meaning, have real purpose. The, the way in which, and I think if, as we get into this, as we get into this a little bit more, you'll start to see that, that our own temptation, our own temptation that we experience from Satan are very purposeful in the things that we struggle in or the things that we like, are fighting against. But this first temptation really is raising the question about provision, about care, 
about trusting that God can actually care and take care of me. When we doubt whether or not we are cared for, we take matters into our own hands many times. We make our own, we make probably unwise choices. I, I'm going to reveal an awful story about me. I, I love talking about Wendy's because it's the greatest place on earth. And I think in heaven there'll be a Wendy's and I'll manage it and you guys will all come get your double stacks from me and I'll be like, what's up? This is my, it's to be great. And I'll be like, this, I, pre- I prepared for ministry at Wendy's. And I'm here because the Lord honors that. But, so I've told the story about how I worked at Wendy's. I worked at the Wendy's over in Roseville, uh, Minnesota. And I managed that Wendy's. And, and one day when I was driving to Wendy's, I had a 1988 Cutlass Supreme. And it started on fire while I was driving. It started on fire. That, has anybody driven a car that's been on fire before? Hey, it's not fun, is it? It's pretty scary. And there's like flames coming out of the, and you're like, pull over? What's happening? Car's on fire. Why is a car on fire when it's 20 below zero, but the car is on fire and I was going 70 miles an hour? So I pull this car over and I'm like, this is scary. So I'm like maybe three miles from the Wendy's and I, I kind of go back roads at that point and, and park the car at Wendy's. And... I bought a car on a credit card that day. How many of you think that's a wise choice? Raise your hand. Is there anyone that thinks that's a wise choice? That's an awful choice. Instead of me trying to go, okay, Lord, how can I work through this particular situation? What, this is a tough deal. Now, I know accidents happen and car things happen. Bad things happen to good people. That, that's a real thing that we all experience, right? But instead of... Instead of going, Lord, I think that you can provide or give me care or take care of my current felt need, which is that I don't have a car to get to get class, to get to class, or to get to work. I think, Lord, uh, instead of spending four minutes praying or even thirty-two seconds praying, I call the local Chevy dealership in Fridley, Minnesota, and say, "Can I buy a car? I want to put a down payment on my credit card." They're like, you can do that, but I don't think you should do that. I'm like, I don't care. I, I want to put it down. And then I was in the most ridiculous in car payment for the next two or three years that was just, it strapped me in a way that was so bad. But I, I acted out on my own. I didn't, I didn't even try to have God influence the situation at all. And it was from a messy kind of thing that happened to me. And a low point in my life. Now, I made my own decision. But there were voices and hisses behind that from Satan that said, I, I know that they are looking back. And just, you deserve more. You deserve more. I could have bought a $600 car to get to and from work. You deserve more. You deserve more. You deserve better. You need nicer. And that, as that voice like, speaks into your life, that's, there's Satan. It's just... Do you trust God for provision and for care? That first temptation is addressing that. Are you hungry, Jesus? If you're hungry, satisfy yourself. Satisfy yourself. 
Second temptation here is that Satan is inviting Jesus into some false worship. To you I give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to you if you just worship me, Satan says. If you just worship me. Think in your life of the things that you value above the Lord. It's not a hard stretch. There are days, I think, that we all go where we don't even really think about our spiritual activity. We just kind of move. We just do life. We just kind of get our day done. We go to work. We do our work. We eat our lunch. We, we go home. We do our after-work activities or after-school activities. We have dinner. We go to bed. And there was no conversation, no uh, dialogue, no attempt, no even desire to speak, talk, think of who Jesus is. We just go. And then if you really think backwards, there might be days and weeks and months where that happens, where you just trug along and you just, and you, you can look back and go, I didn't, I didn't even acknowledge that Jesus gave me this day. In fact, one of the things I really appreciate about when we pray together as a staff, there's always one person who says, Lord, thank you for this gift of today. And every single time it hits me on the head like, oh, I didn't even acknowledge that the Lord gave us this day. Like literally God could wipe us all out in the next, anytime he wants. I know in my own life, if I were to confess, there's been seasons where I just forgot that God was around and just did life. And what is that? You put other things before the Lord. Now, we don't say that we worship our jobs because that looks weird because when we have an idea of worship, what it looks like is us sitting in chairs singing at a screen. But what real worship is is what you put on the altar and what you put, a, put at supreme in your life. That's what you really worship. Worship your checkbook. Worship your job. This last week at youth group, we talked about how we worship this. It consumes our time and our energy and our efforts. And Satan's attacking that. I can give you all the power and authority. I can give you all that you need. You just need to turn your attention from God to me. Your attention needs to go from the creator of the heavens and earth to me. That happens so easy for us. The third temptation is really an invitation to be defiant. We're going to get into this here in a second about what the what was happening as a larger picture of this temptation of Jesus. There are the nuts and bolts of the temptations, the different things that happen, and like the little sermonettes that I just give about each thing. But then there's a larger picture that's going on that everything has to fit into this place in order for what's to happen next. And this last temptation is all about defying God, defying God's purposes. He takes Jesus to give him a picture, puts him on the temple of Jerusalem, and says... Just throw yourself off of here, and the angels will save you. He quotes, he quotes from the psalm. He says, it just toss it, and the angels will protect you. What does that, what does that even mean? See, Jesus came for a purpose, and, and Pastor John talked about it last week. He came to establish kingdom on earth and turn it upside down. Turn the kingdom upside down, and in the baptism, God looks down on Jesus and, and says, this is my son, who I'm well pleased with. This is my son. 
This is whom I've sent. This is Messiah. And there's this moment of defiance that that Satan's whispering into Jesus' ear and even showing him, saying, if you just throw yourself off, just test it out. See what happens. You will be in control of your destiny. If you choose to jump, the angels will surely save you. If you choose, you can fast forward all the way to the end. You can end it all. You're here as Messiah. You're here to save them all. You can show them that you are king of the universe. Just jump. Once again, I think how often I'm defiant to my own faith. Defiant towards the Lord. Defiant towards his purposes in my life. Defiant towards the purpose for all of us to go and make disciples of all nations. So that's what it says. What does it mean? Whenever you dig into scripture, you, really, you can read what it says all the time. It's easy to read what it says, but to, to, to parse it out, to, to really go, what does this mean, is where the potatoes and the meat kind of go, and make a delicious casserole to do something with. So what does it mean? I think there's two things that are happening here. This is Satan's last ditch attempt to stop what God is doing through his son Jesus. So the Messiah is coming for redemption. The Messiah is coming to establish kingdom. The Messiah is coming to save. Turn with me last week, it was read Isaiah chapter 42. I'm going to read it to you again. Isaiah chapter 42. The beautiful prophecy on the Lord's chosen servant. Isaiah 42. This is what Satan's scared of. Or trying to stop. It says this, Behold my servant who I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nation. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard on the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He, is faithfully, he will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Thus says says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth on what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I called you in righteousness. I will take you up by the hand and keep you. I give you as a covenant people for the, as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. To open the eyes of the blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to, to no other, nor my praise to be carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. See, what's happening here is the prophecy of the Messiah coming to flip everything upside down, to change the way that we live, to change the way that we love each other, to change the way that we talk to one another, to change the way that we treat people. Jesus was coming on the scene and he was going to love, I mean, love the lepers. He was going to love the blind. He was going to take care of the sick. He was going to heal the broken. He was actually going to physically take the broken who people just 
cast out into the, in, by the fountain and change who they were, change their life, and heal them so they could be back into the fellowship of people. That's different than the way that life had been going. And Satan is going, this can't happen. I like the destruction. I like the mess. I like the selfishness. I like the brokenness because it's absent of God. Because God is a righteous and just God and brings forth truth and love. It changed everything and the Messiah was coming to do that. And this was the last ditch attempt to say, no, you can't. And Jesus, who reflects Israel, who reflects the first son, Adam, passes every test, passes every challenge in the wilderness. He gets past it all. And every time he does it, he says, it is written. It is written. God has put this on my heart. God has put this on my mind. It is written. And I will only follow my God, the one true God, because I'm going to start a revolution here in a second. And it's going to get crazy out there. And I'm going to tell you what my purpose is by changing everything. Amen? Now here's the deal. That purpose exists for us too. We have the same purpose. Jesus came to die for our sins because he was the only one. He was the son of God and he was fully man. And that's why the genealogy is settled right in there because the genealogy ends. And if you were paying attention last week, you would have heard it. The genealogy ends with saying that Jesus was the son of Adam. So not only was he the son of God and the son of Adam, he was, he was, both, and he was the only one that was capable of going to the cross and taking the punishment and satisfying the wrath that, that man deserved for God. That's why it's nestled in there. This is all about proving and preparing Jesus and his sonship to start ministry. And the next 15 chapters of Luke are all about him changing the earth by who he touches and who he talks to and the way he talks to women and the way he challenges people and by going over to Zacchaeus' house when he shouldn't have, according to everybody else. And, he's, and you're going to hear about him going to his hometown and being cast out of his hometown. It all starts right here. As the Lord prepared him in the wilderness for his purpose to seek and save the lost. I don't know if we caught what that means, but here's why it matters. For each one of us, you have opposition in your life. We do. You have a plan or a purpose. God's called you to something. There's the big picture thing that God's called us to, to make disciples of all nations, to go to the ends of the earth. That's why I brought up Cooper and Katie, because it's our responsibility as a church to disciple these kids, to love these kids, to care for these kids. We have that for each other as well. That's why we promote small groups. That's why we want you in Sunday school. That's why we try so hard to go through scripture verse by verse by verse because we want you to grow and understanding as a piece of that you'll catch that the purpose is to go to the ends of the earth and make disciples of all nations. But as we get into our more specific lives... We start to become selfish with what our purpose is supposed to be. And, I, and I, I'm not even saying that's bad. We all want to have purpose. 
We all want to have a job, something that we're good for, something that the Lord says, this is why you exist. This is why you are here on my earth, and this is what you're supposed to do. But there are forces that are at work against that. They're supernatural forces. Satan's always hissing, always hissing behind you, directing in another direction, directing away from the purposes of God. See, Satan aims to disrupt the relationship and purpose he has for his people. We're drawn into this relationship with the God, the Father, through Jesus. We're connected to him. Satan's disrupting that. The more disrupted you are in that relationship with God, the more astray you become. And the more astray you become, the less purposeful you are. We're all at different spaces here in this room. That's why church is so good. Because we can help one another. I told the first service that we need you. There are many, many young people in this room that need strong, faithful men and women who've lived the faith to come and just speak over them, to pray over them, to, to have a conversation, to say, I, know, I want to know who you are and I want to pray who, for you. I've had that happen at least twice by older people in our church over the last week that said, I've been praying for you and your family. We've had some weird family disruptions, like extended family and I've had older people say that to me. Well, it's flipped this way too. This church needs the younger part of our congregation to speak up encouragement to the older part. And to say we love each other. We're part of the same family. We're part of the, and that's what's beautiful about our church is because we can come together and continue to move forward with purpose. Real purpose. Purpose to see people's lives change for the sake of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus invaded their space, invaded their life, transformed the way they think and the way that they feel and the way that they emote and the way that they, they, they look at other people. But Satan is trying to disrupt that. Satan loves to target churches. Get us all hot and bothered and frustrated and annoyed disappointed look at the grass being greener elsewhere that's a really really easy tool that happens everywhere disruption it matters because to truly be a son or daughter the king we need to depend on him as Jesus depended on God and the word in the wilderness. This stuff matters to us because we need to depend. We need to echo and reflect that same attitude and behavior that Jesus did. Are we able to say it is written? It is written. Do we know when temptation comes that we can withstand it? I know it's hard. I told that story about like the food thing. That's a tough one. We all have our own temptations where Satan's speaking. Whispering. But it matters because we have to have purpose. 
I'm going to invite the worship team up. We're going to sing a closing song. The prayer team will be up here too. And I, this would be a, a, probably a decent time. So how do you become, how, say you feel stuck. Just say you feel stuck. Stuck spiritually, stuck in life. Maybe you feel good spiritually, but you feel stuck. There's, I think there's a couple of ways that you, you get out of stuck. One of those ways is confession. You begin to confess the things that are sticking you. Maybe it's sin confession. Maybe it's, I, I, maybe you need to make a confession to the Lord. Like, I haven't been trusting you enough. But confession is a place where all spiritual beginnings start to take off. Our prayer team will be up here, and I'm going to challenge some of you just to come up and confess to them. I'll be up here. Confession is a place. The second thing to think is a little bit more difficult is honesty. Now, honesty and confession can, can, look, can look like each other sometimes. They mask each other. But confession is like this heartfelt, like, I'm screwing up. I need, I need help. Lord, I need help. But honesty is saying what it really is. I'm being lazy. I'm addicted to nachos. But saying what it really is is important. Because many times we mask, we mask the real struggle with something else. I'm tired. I don't have enough energy. I don't know how to get connected to people. But if we were just to say, you know what, I'm lazy and I don't want to connect with anybody. That says a lot more. And you can be encouraged in that space. So we're going to sing a little bit. I'm going to pray. Maybe there's somebody in this room who hasn't connected with Jesus yet. I look out and I see a lot of faithful people. But I don't know everybody. And I think that the Lord in these situations is always inviting you to, to put everything on the table. To say, I haven't been following you well. I haven't been following you at all. I've never followed you. And I'm going to start following you today because I want to be upside down. I want this life that looks different. This life of purpose and relationship. And you need to take that step and say, I'm going to follow Jesus today. I would invite you to come and talk to me personally. Up front. Be brave. And we'll get that right today. Let's pray. Father, you are good. And your mercies are new every morning. And your faithfulness is great to us. And your grace is explosive in our lives. And Lord, this morning I pray that there would be massive courage in this room for those who need to come and confess, for those who need to come and make things right with you, for those who just need to be honest and say, I'm frustrated. And I don't even know what that's called. I just am frustrated. Lord, I pray that that our church family would be bold this morning to put it on the altar for you. Lord, we need you. I'm asking that your spirit invades the hearts and the minds of those in this room. That you would help us to rise up together as a church and follow you fully and be completely devoted to you. Lord, you've made this promise, and I said it in first service too, that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And the second part of that verse is that we would resist the evil one. Lord, I pray that, that 
that fear that's being whispered would be resisted right now. Help us to be good people this morning of confession and following you. I ask this in your son's name. Amen.